Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back today to the program and thank you for valuing uh, us enough to spend this time with us. Uh, if you've been tuning in, you, you know that for the last several weeks I've had Bishop Jamie Englehart uh, on the set with me today, uh, and for the last several weeks we're going to have, at least today, uh, we also have him on the program today. It's a great honor to have you, Bishop, uh, you, on sir. the program. And uh, Bishop Jamie Englehart is the presiding bishop of the Heritage International Ministries. That is an acronym of HIM. And uh, that's truly what their ministry is about, is about HIM. He's also the pastor of the Connections Church in Saginaw, Michigan, and Connections with an X. And as he said in the last segment, the X is a symbol that means Christ. And, and yeah. uh, so uh, it, that just helps you remember it. But he has a great church in Saginaw, Michigan. Information will be on the screen. You owe it to yourself if you're within driving distance of Saginaw, Michigan, to go be part of a uh, meeting uh, with them somewhere. And uh, just, you know, uh, I don't know when this will particularly air, but Bishop and I will be together in uh, uh, Trevor city in August, and that information is on my website. Uh, also, uh, Danny Silk uh, will be That's one of the speakers, and Dr. Jonathan Weldon. Uh, Danny Silk wrote the book, uh, A Culture of Honor, and... Keep uh, your love on. And what was Keep it? Keep your love on. Keep your love on. Yeah. And several books. I'm reading one of his books right now, A Culture of Honor, I believe yep. it is. And uh, uh, I think you'd be blessed if you to just go to my website. There's uh, uh, places, I mean, there's information there about where we will be. It is a great honor to have you on with me again today, Bishop, and I know you've been enjoying, Bishop, as we've been talking about the gospel of the kingdom. Uh, again, you know, one of the things that I want to say and kind of uh, opening today is that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, it's peace, and it's joy. A great emphasis I've put in over the years is that it is, first of all, once you understand that righteousness is not based on your performance, but it's based on a gift, and you get that settled, then the next dimension is going to be peace, and then the next dimension is joy. So this yep. segment, we're going to yep. talk a great deal about peace. And I wrote a book also that's available to you called uh, The Unforced Rhythms of Grace, and it comes from Matthew 11. You could order that book from our website or uh, by calling the number that's on the screen. But in that book, what I teach is from the 11th chapter of Matthew, it says, for up until, uh, all the, it says, all the law and the prophets prophesied until John. And up until then, violent men seized the kingdom yep. by force. Uh, but then Jesus comes on down in the latter part of that, and from the Message Bible says, but are you tired? Are you weary? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me and I'll show you how to take a real rest. I will teach you the unforced rhythms of grace. And it began to dawn on me that uh, up until John, the kingdom was seized by violence. In other words, it was forced, forceful men forced their way into it because the kingdom was accessed through, you know, just struggle and war and, and, and uh, uh, human sweat and labor. Yep. And what he's really saying there is not encouraging us to keep on fighting. What he's no. saying is, is that's how it was yep. until John. But now the kingdom isn't having to be taken by force. It's actually a gospel of peace that's come on the scene. Yes, sir. And so we don't have to violently or perform or works of labor or fight 
the war has been won. Come the on. victory's ours. And there's a gospel of peace. And I know this is kind of your uh, forte oh, yeah. just a little Love bit, it. so jump on <laughs> in there, Bishop. Good to have you on, the, on again today. Thank you. And again, always an honor to be with you and be able to spend time with you. And uh, this makes it nice and easy. Uh, you know, we, we're, we're part of the same tribe, yeah. no doubt about that, and, uh, and uh, preaching much of the same message. Uh, but, uh, you know, Jesus, Jesus standing before Pilate, uh, the scripture tells us that Pilate looks at him and he says, if you're a king, where's your kingdom? Mm-hmm. And Jesus says something very interesting. I think we, we read over it sometimes really without really grasping what he said. He said, if my kingdom were from this world, if it were of or from this world, or if it came from this, this Adamic, uh, violence-based, angry system of this world, he said, my servants would fight. And, and that word fight there in the Greek, it means to strive to agonize, to struggle, and to battle. Mm-hmm. And so it literally gives this picture of if you're agonizing, which, you know, Lord have mercy. I mean, raising the Pentecostal church, it seems like it's all we did was agonize. You know, we, had to, <laughs> we, had to, we had to beg, fight, and labor for everything yeah, yeah. for God to move and do anything. But he's like, if you're striving, struggling, and agonizing, it's probably not the kingdom that you're manifesting right now. Mm-hmm. Because the kingdom of God functions out of rest and peace and not out of agonizing and fighting and struggling. And, and, and I think we read those verses, you know, like the King James says, the kingdom of heaven serves violence and the violent take it by force. And, and the people love this idea. Well, we but get them in a lather to fight, man. Oh, right. Lord, yeah. I mean, in the 90s, I remember I preached a series of messages called, you got to fight for your right to walk in the light. You know what I mean? And that was my <laughs> path. That was the light I had, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. But when, when you begin to realize that, man, this, this kingdom is a kingdom of peace. And, you know, uh, to me, one of the best pictures of it is, you know, Jesus comes up over the hill, John, John declares, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He comes up out of the waters of baptism, the, the dove lights on him, and the voice from heaven, God says, This is my son, uh, who I'm well pleased, hear him. And then he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the enemy. Uh, no doubt, that was, that, the scripture says that was 40 days. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back from there, now in the power of the Holy Spirit. And no doubt over that 40-day period, I mean, people began to talk about that because all kinds of people heard this voice from heaven. People went back to their towns. We heard we heard a voice from heaven that said, this is the one, this is the Messiah. And so I'm sure 40 days of talk, you know, I mean, man, it was, they didn't have Facebook, but there, there, you know, there's no doubt there was gossip flying everywhere. <laughs> people are like, the Messiah has showed up. And, and, and he walks into the temple, walks into the synagogue. And he opens up the scroll of Isaiah, and he's going to preach his first public sermon. And man, they're getting excited. He's like, the Spirit of the Lord God is now upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel of the poor, bind up the wounds of the brokenhearted. And they're like, yes, our Messiah is declaring the messianic message. And, 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 and he gets to that year of Jubilee, and then he closes the book a verse early. Mm-hmm. You know, He closes the book, and he says, this is now fulfilled in your hearing, but he leaves out, especially the Jews, their favorite verse. I mean, because in their mind, their Messiah was going to show up, and he was going to show up and kick some Roman tail. You know, yeah. I mean, that's that, that's what they were excited about, man. Uh, he's going to come, and he's going to deliver us from our enemies. And once our enemies are, 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 are were delivered from, we're now going to be the ruling kingdom on the planet, and everybody else is going to be subjective to us. And yet he leaves out, and these are the days of the vengeance of our God. He leaves out the whole idea of vengeance, violence, and retribution. And instead, he closes the book. And he's like, you know, I'm not about that. 
You know, that, that, that's not why I am coming. You know, now, 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 now obviously, uh, you know, some of that was also prophesied about a destruction that was going to come by the Romans 70, yeah. Yeah, in Jerusalem. But he's like, my kingdom... All right. Yeah. Now, your kingdom has been a kingdom of violence. It's been a kingdom of rules and regulations and fight and struggle. But my servants, if my servants were a part of the kingdom of this world, they would fight. Which is why, you know, Jesus, uh, Jesus says to his disciples just before they go to the Garden of Gethsemane, he, he says to them, he says, now in the past I told you to not take a purse, not take a script, not take any money, don't take extra garments, and to not take a sword. He said, but now I'm telling you, uh, to go bring a script, bring extra clothes, bring a purse, bring some money, and go buy a sword. Well, it's very strange in Luke because then the disciples tell him, well, we have two. And, and, he, and he says something, and man, th- this has been exploding in me lately because I didn't comprehend it. Because uh, when, when people want to say that, that Jesus promoted violence, you know, they always go to that verse, you know, because there's, you know, or, or when he cleansed the temple, which of course what they miss about the cleansing of the temple is that it was a prophetic act. And the reason that he was cleansing the temple is because he was cleansing the outer court. And in the outer court is where the Jews would, were selling inferior sacrifices to Gentiles and people that had become Jews to go sacrifice. And, and what he was angry about was that they were bringing a middle wall of partition. You know, I mean, to believe that Jesus was just violent. I mean, I, I mean, I've had people say to me, "Well, but he 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 had a whip and he whipped some folks." I said, "No, no. It says he took rope and made a whip." I said, "You know how long it would take to make a, a whip out of rope?" I mean, he wasn't sitting there angry because to believe that the Son of God got mad. Now, now being angry is not wrong. Bible says, "Be angry, but don't sin." It's not that God doesn't get angry, but for someone to get mad, it means they've lost self-control. And, and, and to believe that God in the flesh, who is love, lost self-control and just started whooping folks, you know, I, I mean, that's, it's almost blasphemous to think about. And I've told people, I said, the whip was for the animals. Jesus didn't come to whip, he came to be whipped. All right? I mean, the gospel is the opposite message of, 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 of trying to fight, of, 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 trying, of trying to produce war and warfare. And, and, and so, you know, he says, uh, he says to them in Luke, he said, well, two is enough for it must be fulfilled. And he quotes Isaiah 54, that he must be numbered among the transgressors. And, and that's like a really strange verse in there. But, but when you really study it out, uh, to the Romans, a group of, of 10 or more men who had a few swords during Passover, because during Passover, there would be a few million Jews that would come from all over yeah. at that time in the world. And they, were, they would be singing in the streets the song of Moses. Uh, you know, about God delivering them from their enemies, you know, so I mean, that's, you know, I mean, that, that's, that's almost like being ready for, for insurrection and yeah. violence. Yeah. And so, you know, the Romans, uh, you were not allowed to walk around a group of men with swords because that would be considered a criminal act. And so when Jesus said two is enough, he wasn't, he wasn't telling the disciples, now I want you to take swords so you can go kill some people. You know, <laughs> he said, I, I, we need at least two swords so that when they, when they come grab us, I have to be numbered among the criminals in order to fulfill a verse of scripture, mm-hmm. all right? Because uh, you know he didn't go to the cross as a martyr; he went to the cross as a criminal. And part of that was also, you know, God in the flesh manifesting Himself and, and showing us on the cross that He was relating with the worst of us, you know, with the with the worst of our humanity. The problem is that Peter then pulls the sword out, uh, you know, because Peter, uh, Peter, you know, and, and I, I like to, uh, I've taught it uh, like this when you and I did a conference in Detroit together. I preached a whole message 
uh, on on this and put your sword away, Peter. And that you know Peter's translated stone. Yeah. And and, and Peter struggled. Look, when you when you study the scriptures, Peter struggled with with grace. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think Peter is a picture of a preacher that has met Jesus but they're still struggling with mixture. You know, they're struggling with, with law and grace. Mm-hmm. And, and he pulls out the sword and he cuts off Malchus's ear. And, and it's only in the one gospel, uh, and I think it's John, it's only in John or, or Luke's gospel that records the name of the servant. Uh, in the other gospels, it doesn't even say it was Peter, just a disciple of Jesus. And it says, then the servant of the high priest. But the word Malchus means reigning king. And so anytime we as, as preachers of the gospel, as Peter's if you may, it, anytime we pull out the sword of the word and we're, we're, we're cutting off, which the law shuts up faith. It mm-hmm. cuts off the ears mm-hmm. or the hearing of reigning kings. And we've got audiences that are reigning kings. I mean, our job is to teach them. You're now a son of God. You're a reigning king and God wants to use you. But we take out that, we take out that law and we cut off their ears. Yeah. And, 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 and we use vi- in, in the name of, quote unquote, at, at times violence. And this is what Jesus told us to do. But then Jesus says, enough, rebukes Peter. And he said, Peter, put away the sword. I just told you to bring it. I never told you to use it. You know? But if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. And then he picks up Melchizedek's ear and hears it and, and heals it because grace and truth heals our hearing mm-hmm. and doesn't cut our hearing off. And, and, and when we're truly going to be manifesting the gospel of the kingdom, uh, it's going to be manifested in the kingdom of peace. Anytime, anytime I hear somebody, uh, and, and, and let's be honest, uh, a major portion of what we've called Christianity has been known more for our warring. Mm-hmm. And what we're against rather than what we're for. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, what we're going to pick it next, you know, yeah. I mean, what, what, what we're going to be against. Yeah. Yeah. It's always, you know, we know more what we're against than what we're actually for. And, and when you, if you grab someone on the street, you know, I, I mean, someone watching this that maybe doesn't eat, you know, yeah, yeah they, might, they might not even be attending church, want nothing to do with church. And when you think of a Christian and you think of church, you're normally thinking of someone who's judgmental. Uh, they put shame on you. Uh, they're, 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 they're angry. I mean, some of the meanest people I've ever met in my life attend church mm-hmm. every single week because religion makes people mad. That's where I, I really don't believe people outright reject Jesus. I think a lot of times people are just rejecting the, the image of Jesus uh, that his representatives has presented mm-hmm. to them. And, and, and we're in a season right now where we're having to repaint Jesus to the world, really show people that, listen, a lot of the Jesus that's been presented to you, that's not Jesus. Yeah. All right. I mean, you know, his heart is that while, while we're doing violence to him, he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I mean, you know, James and John had that same spirit on them, and we've all felt like James and John. We've wanted to call down fire on somebody that hurt us and did us wrong. And Jesus looks at James and John and he said, Boys, you know, I, I know you might want to sing that these are the days of Elijah, but these are not the days of Elijah. Mm-hmm. You know, and these are also not the days of Moses. You know, no. these, these are the days of Jesus. Yeah. Okay. And so, you know, I mean, you know, stop with the idea. I, I mean, you know, if you look at Elijah, Elijah wasn't happy to just call fire out of heaven and consume the sacrifice. I mean, I mean, he won. I mean, you know, when, when the sacrifice was consumed, he won, but he wasn't satisfied with that. He had to then go kill all the priests. I mean, yeah. they probably would have converted. You know, I mean, they just saw God do yeah. the work and James and John had that same spirit on them. And Jesus says, you don't know what spirit you're of. I did not come for this. Matter of fact, uh, the, the only verse that's even close to it is where, you know, Jesus says, uh, uh, and, and I always have people throw this verse at me, you know, we didn't, uh, you know, I didn't come for peace, I come for division. You know, well, when you study it in context, it, it's, it's, it's talking about family. Yeah. And, and what he's saying is, 
the message of the kingdom I'm bringing is going to cause issues in your family because many of you Jews are going to leave now the, the mindset of Judaism and the law, and you're going to come into the kingdom of grace and this kingdom of God, and it's going to cause struggle and division in your families. Uh, he wasn't yeah. saying, you know, he wasn't saying, I come here to just, you know, I mean, bring all kinds of division in the earth. Right. Man, he's like, man, this is a kingdom of peace. Of his kingdom of peace, there will be no end. Yeah. Peace have I, peace give I unto you. I, I mean, Paul tells us the only thing, the only thing that is greater than understanding. You know, I mean, uh, we always want to figure stuff out. And all you're getting, get understanding. He said, there's only one thing greater than understanding, and it's the peace of God that surpasses Passes all understanding. It. That when I don't know what's going on, he said, you know what, when you can't figure it out, guess what? I put a kingdom in you, and it's a kingdom of peace that you can, you can learn to rest smack dab in the middle of this. And, and I've, I've watched, and, you know, I mean, uh, you know, sharing, you know, last night here at your home church, uh, that whole idea that for so many years... You know, I, I was a fighter. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I thought the kingdom of God was about, you know, fighting and advancing of the kingdom was, you know, I mean, we, we got to go kick some devil behind. And, yeah. and you know, I mean, we've got to, we're in a culture war. You know, urgh, you know we got to fight the culture. And, and man, the older I've gotten, I've realized God's been turning me more into a lover rather than a fighter. And I've realized, man, we're not going to change the culture by fighting it. We're going to change the culture by being redemptive towards it, by, by loving it, by serving it, by, 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 by bringing peace to the culture rather than war. Yeah. And, you know, it kind of boils down to me, and, uh, you know, we may make some enemies, but it's still the truth. <laughs> but we, we uh, you know, our, our stand has been to, not, not our stand, but a lot of people's stand has been, let's picket abortion clinics. And while we're picking them, we wouldn't take the time to adopt a baby Come if on. it was there. Come on. And so we, we're not redemptive. We're, we're, we're uh, always, you know, in, in the, what we're against and, yep. and uh, you know, fighting, but rather than having a solution. And sometimes it's really just, frankly, an indictment to me against the church that we don't have the power Come on. to bring some real deliverance and redemption to people so we resort to fighting what they're doing. Yep. When the kingdom of God is like leaven, when it gets in there, it changes things. And that doesn't mean we think everything is okay, right? And absolutely. that we don't believe that there's, you know, that there's standards and stuff like that. But we get so caught up in our, uh, you know, in, in what we're fighting sometimes that we forgot yep. what we're for. Absolutely. And we're just wore out. And I think that's one of the things that <laughs> Jesus was saying there in the message. He says, "Are you tired? Yes, sir. Are you weary? Are you burned out on religion? Mm -hmm. Come to me, and I'll show you how to take a real rest. I'll teach you the unforced." rhythms of grace. And yep. you know, again, Jesus was not afraid to touch people who had leprosy. Yep. And under the law, if you touch somebody who had leprosy, you became unclean. See, here's how it works different to me. Yep. Under the old covenant, if you touch somebody who had leprosy, you became unclean. But in the new covenant, when, you touch, when, when they touched Jesus, they became Come clean. On. Come on where he became, you know, uh, they became clean. And he literally had taken their leprosy and took it to the yep. cross and, and things like that. You know, one of the things my, my pastor taught some, and uh, my pastor taught a message back some time ago just profound to me. And she was talking about that. I had preached this message years ago about all the things that disqualify you. Yeah. You know, if you're flat-nosed in the Old Testament, you're, if you're a priest, you're flat-nosed, I mean, you didn't have discernment. Right. You know, if you had a club foot, it, you, you were disqualified from the priesthood, it just mean your walk wasn't right. Yeah. You know, if you had, you know, a withered hand. But when Jesus comes on the scene, 
almost everything that would have disqualified people, Jesus heals a man come with on, a withered hand. Come on. He heals a crippled man. Yes, sir. He, he, you know, he heals a woman who has an issue of blood, people you're supposed to stay away from. So under the old covenant, you're disqualified. Yep. In the new covenant, you're qualified. Come on. Under the old covenant, if you touch something that was holy, it became unclean. In the new covenant, if you touch something it becomes clean. Yes, and sir. so, you know what? We need to encounter some things. We used to say things like this. You, you remember these days probably. Just be careful who prays for you. Oh, yeah. Be careful who lays hands on you. <laughs> because they'll put, and, 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 I, and I understand a little bit of that. Yeah. But here's the thing is, I'm always thinking, you know what? I got something more powerful. Come on. So if they touch me, what they're going to get is what I got. In other words, I'm not afraid of somebody That's touching right. me. I believe what I got. Yep. is infectious. And I believe the kingdom of God is infectious. And I believe that, that uh, you know, when we, when we begin to be, get, be more answer-oriented than we are problem-oriented, you know, here's the thing, Bishop, again, and, uh, you know, uh, the world has actually improved. I know that's probably against most of what you believe because we've got a worldview that's been focused towards it's got to get worse, it's got to get worse, it's got to yep. get worse. But I started looking at some secular statistics yep. and there's more people on the planet today per capita that are believers than there's ever been. There's more people Absolutely. getting saved per minute than there ever has been. Yep. There are less sickness in the world than there's ever been. In my generation, Bishop, yes, sir. polio has been eradicated just about. Smallpox, yep. whooping cough, all kinds of diseases. Yep. Uh, people are actually more prosperous. Poverty is at an all-time low, yep. even in other countries and so forth. And there's actually less war. There's actually less earthquake. <laughs> and you say, well, evidently you haven't watched CNN. Well, that's why we that's think yeah. that there is, things are getting worse. It's because we got 24-7 news outlets yep. when statistically non-Christian secular statistics yep. were showing a, a gradual improvement. I thought, my Lord, if it's improving with bad theology, come on. Think what would happen if we preached good theology of a kingdom yep. of which the increase of it, there will be no end. No end. Somebody asked me, you know, of course, we don't have time to get into eschatology. I just did a series <laughs> on Revelation you can get, but uh, people say, well, how do you think it ends? We win. Come on. And we say stuff like I read the last chapter of the book, and we win, but the way we preach it, we don't win. True. But I believe that as we, I, there's a sleeping giant called the church that's waking up to realize that they're not just to be called, like you said, to be orphanages, yep. or, or uh, but to be, uh, uh, you know, centers that train and release sons and daughters of yep. God because the creation is crying and groaning. Right. And I, and I get, I could take that back and show a fulfillment even in sure. AD 70 that, yeah. that what was being birthed at that point right. and the groan that was on them. And Paul said, the suffering that we're going through is not way out here in the future. He said, what we're right. suffering is going to give birth to a glorious liberty. And the glorious liberty that was coming yep. was freedom from that law system and that legalism right. and all of that I, stuff. So, I, Well, I, I've, and, and I've said this for years that, you know, it, it seems like it's mainly American Christians that will, that will sit around and complain about how bad everything is driving down the road in their Lexus. Yeah. You know, uh, you know it's, it's, and, and, and a lot of them have never been to a third world country. Never. They've never, you know, seen what's going on. But the, oh, oh, Lord, everything's just getting worse yeah. and worse. And they're living in a nicer house than they've ever lived in, more prosperous than ever before. You know, it, it reminded me of something that you just said, especially with the idea of sons, you know. And I know there's, a, there's definitely, there's been a fulfillment also, like with uh, the parable of the wheat and the tares. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when Jesus gave the parable of the wheat and the tares, he talks about the sons of the kingdom. And then he talks about, uh, you know, the, 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 the tares are like the sons of this world. And, and, and it seems like when, you know, he says it's the sons of the kingdom that get sown into the earth. And that whenever God wants to bring change in the earth, he always sows a son. Yeah. You know, there, there, there's a sowing of a, there's sowing of, I mean, when he wanted to bring a new creation to the world, 
uh, he, he sowed a son that was a seed. I mean, yeah. God always sows a seed, but the seed's always a son. He's not looking to just sow believers. He's looking to sow sons and daughters. And so, you know, if he wants to bring a change into a region in the, in the education system, you know, I mean, he's going to look for a son yeah. that lives in that system, that lives in that area, that he can sow into that system to bring the answer, yeah. you know, to, to be the change. And well, what we've done for years is we, we want to scream at City Hall rather than bring an answer to City Hall. Yeah. You know I mean? We, we want to scream at Washington rather, rather than actually say, you know what? I mean, I mean, I get, you know, this of course is an election year and you know, I'll be glad when this year is finally over because you know, people are losing friends and yeah. <laughs> all kinds of silly stuff. But, but you know, what we have many times is, is people that will sit and they'll complain and scream about stuff. I mean, I, I, I told someone the other day, uh, a young man that I know, and he's very involved in the political world. And I told him, I said, when I see you post something uh, on the internet about politics, that's something I'll listen to because you're part of the answer. You're involved in it. I said, but we got all these armchair politicians that will sit and complain about everything. They don't even vote. You know, I mean, they're, yeah, you know, they're, 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 they're not being involved uh, yeah, in it. Yeah. And, and we all have our opinion. And we live in a country, thank God, where we have that voice yeah, and we yeah. have that opinion. Uh, but at the same time, if you're not being a part of the solution, you know, stop being a part of the problem. And yeah. that's where the message of the kingdom, because it's a message, it's a gospel of peace, it's a message of peace, an increasing peace. Uh, it, it's, you know, I, I mean, Isaiah tells us that the ultimate desire of God is, is that, you know, uh, pruning hooks, you know, would be turned into plowshares, that swords would be transformed. And, and that, you know, I mean, I like to look at it as, you know, that missile silos will become grain silos. You know, I mean, that, you know, that there will, you know, that there will be a day that the love of God so begins to permeate this earth. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that desire that there's war no more. I mean, you know, when we finally realize the only reason we're at war with people, it's over ideologies of anger and violence. And a lot of times religion. Most of the time religion. And yeah. to see that Jesus, the message of the kingdom, is a message of peace on earth, goodwill towards all men. Mm-hmm. That, 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 that God's not angry at, at humanity. He's not, he's not in a bad mood. He really is a good, good father who's crazy about his creation. Uh, you know, who's a stalker, you know, who, who will run them down, chase them down. His heart is for them. But it's the ideologies of, uh, and even the Christian church that still teaches, uh, uh, you know, o- o- almost a, a violence and an anger. And it's like, you cannot read the teachings of Jesus. I mean, if you really read the words in red, it is, you're not going to be able to come up with an idea that, that God wants us to just go kick some tail. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I mean, you know, the, the reason, and we talked about this at lunch, but, you know, the, the, the reason that, that, that so many Muslims are being converted right now in the Middle East is because of how violent ISIS is. You know, that they're, 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 cutting, off, they're cutting off five-year-olds' heads and then going to the parents' And Muslims are getting converted like crazy because the parents are looking at them. They're obviously crying and, 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 and they're wailing because their child just died in front of them. But they're looking at them and saying, we forgive you and Jesus loves you and we love you. And then they're killing them. But then these other Muslims are watching it and they're saying, only the divine could do yeah, that. Yeah. You know, I mean, only, only yeah. the gospel of the kingdom could cause someone to not want retribution and to kill that person, but to want peace on them even though they're doing violence to them. And that's where, you know, if our message uh, is not still that gospel of peace, we're not preaching the kingdom. And, you know, I think a lot of times we act like we perceive our God to be. 
Absolutely. And if we think our God is that way, that's how we're going to be. Come and, uh, you know, we've changed the image of the incorruptible God. And we've made idols and idolatry out of Him by false concepts and images in the chambers of our imagination. Uh, this has been a great series with Bishop. I would thank him for being on. But if you've enjoyed these programs, tell somebody about it. Tune in again next week. If you would like to help us take the gospel of the kingdom around the world, it takes your help and your partnership. Call that number on the screen or go to our website and, and give your generous gift, or you can mail it in by mailing it to the address on the screen. God bless you. Thanks for joining us. For anyone struggling to understand John's writings in Revelation, this book provides true, biblically-based answers. Through detailed insights into the letters John wrote to the seven churches of his day, you will learn how to avoid the mistakes of the early church to overcome today's trials and tribulations. This book will provoke you to thought and dialogue, bringing greater clarity and revelation of Jesus Christ.